the 15th of April 2019 started off like any ordinary day. Nobody could have predicted the events unfolding in a patch of rough grass at the bottom of Mrs McGonagall's garden. Deep in the grass, a dandelion was growing and a group of unassuming cream-coloured beetles were stuffing themselves in its petals. The aphid walked past, feeling perfectly safe. After all, there was no danger. They only ate pollen and fungi. Or did they? everyone and welcome to episode 10 of Hinder Wings and Bloodlust. I'm your host Rachel. Before we start I just want to recommend two podcasts for you guys as I've just realised I forgot to last week and they're both about animals. Criticast is presented by Cassie and Karina. Every week they discuss a different animal or aspect of looking after animals and last week is an episode on advice for new pet owners, what you might not realise when your new pet enters your home, advice on food and so on. And they've also done episodes on reptiles, guinea pigs, tobacco hornworms, and much more. Um, it's very, very enjoyable. I'm really enjoying this show. Um, please check it out. Hey, Karina, do you want to hear an interesting new fact about sloths? Impossible, Cassie. I know all there is to know about sloths. They spend their whole lives eating and sleeping, and that's living the dream in my book. I bet you don't know this fact. Fine, surprise me. Sloths are surprisingly fast and skilled swimmers. They can move three times faster in water than they ever can on land. Suddenly, I love them even more. Where can I possibly learn more exciting and interesting facts about sloths? Well, we did do an entire episode on sloths for CritterCast. Right! CritterCast, our comedic animal-themed podcast. It's the show where we talk about all kinds of animals and why we love them. We upload new episodes twice a month on every second and fourth Sunday. Just in time for your Monday morning commute. You can find CritterCast on iTunes, Spotify, and many other podcast streaming apps. Plus, check out our website, CritterCastPodcast.com, for links to all of our social media and for more fun facts and adorable photos of critters big and small. CritterCast Podcast. And the Casual Bird Podcast is presented by Susie Buttress. I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but she wants to make people aware of the birds they see around them. She interviews guests and she goes on regular bird walks in both the UK and other places like America. And she talks about what birds she can see. And she has a lot of guests on the show and talks about birds with them. She also encourages listeners to send in their sightings. The latest episode was a review of the year when she discussed the favourite birds that she's seen this year. And she's since put out a bonus episode about like the last and first birds of 2019 and 2020. And both these podcasts are from the Lady Pod Squad group, which I'm part of. And I'm also really happy to announce that interviews are coming up with these podcast hosts, so I'm really looking forward to that. But today, for this episode, I want to talk about a ladybird, which actually inspired me to want to do this podcast. You might not have actually heard of this ladybird or, or seen it, but by the end of episodes, hopefully I'd have given you a much better idea about why it's so special. 
And I'm actually on a mission to make this ladybird a lot more famous than it actually is currently. So I hope that I'll spread the word in, in some way. So back in October 2018, I went for a walk in my local park and I decided to see if I could actually find any ladybirds. And as it was becoming pretty cold, I didn't really expect to. Like I'd found like some harlequins, I found like some seven spots, but apart from that, I hadn't really found that many different types of ladybirds. And I walked up to quite a big tree and I had a look and I didn't really see anything. And then later on, I came back and I probably saw more ladybirds than I'd ever seen in my entire life. I'm not exaggerating. There's like well over a thousand or even possibly even 2000. I don't know, but a lot. And these guys were all from the same species, Tithaspis sedesum punctata, or the 16-spot ladybird, which we're going to discuss today on the show. And over the next few months in 2018, as of beginning of 2019, I saw many more on fence posts, on trees, on bushes near the ground, and so on, usually absolutely freezing temperatures, although some did stick around in the uh, overwintering site until like May, perhaps because the weather was uh, sort of unpredictable around that time. But yeah, absolutely, absolutely incredible. So what exactly is going on here? And what does a 16 spot look like? So the 16 spot is a very small ladybird and it's not really that obvious to look at. It's around two to three millimetres long. You can easily overlook if it's on some dry grass or anything like that because it's sort of cream coloured. And usually the time when it's active, it stays in long grass. You're not really likely to see it in your garden eating aphids or anything, although you might. It does sometimes eat aphids, but it has a very varied diet. And it's very well camouflaged. It's sort of a creamy white or beige colour, although I have actually seen one that was red. And this is said to be. This comes about due to damage during the pupil stage or some sort of genetic mutation. I don't really know. And it can vary quite a lot in its, in its uh, appearance. But usually, although it's called a 16 spot, three of the spots near the edge of its wings are usually merged and they form a line on either side of the ladybird. And sometimes other spots are also merged. The uh, 16 spot has a distinctive dark line down the middle of the ladybird's elytra. While in the UK, the spots are usually merged, that is not always the same elsewhere. So you do sometimes get some ladybirds with like completely separate spots. They're quite a variable looking species. And the larva is kind of a grey beige colour, as is the pupa. And again, it's quite small, quite easily missed. I wasn't really able to find much information on um, how how long they live or how long it's a larva or anything like that. But what's really interesting about it is that ladybirds are not really sociable and they don't really create hives and they don't really do much interaction with each other. Even during the mating season, ladybirds will just often just find a mate by walking into each other. But one aspect of a ladybird's life does show a bit of a social side. And this is especially true for the 16-spot ladybirds. Because if you find a 16-spot, you'll pretty much never just find one. During winter, 
These ladybirds will form huge aggregations, usually on hedges, bushes and fence posts. All ladybirds do this, but it seems that the 16th spot especially does so. The largest aggregation ever found in Britain was in 1990. It was in a bramble hedge in London with over 1 million ladybirds in that area. Like, can you imagine that? And sometimes other species such as seven spots or 22 spots come to join them. It is not unknown for there to be 100 ladybirds in 10 square centimetres during these gatherings or more. And it can be several ladybirds deep. Just imagine like layers and layers of, of ladybirds. And they tend to hibernate in sort of quite exposed locations on fence posts or on big trees in freezing temperatures. And as we've discussed before, they can sort of super cool. So they're not really too badly affected by the temperature, although some do die. They can stay there for many months and it's extremely impressive. So why does this happen? Well, there's a number of theories. One theory is that they can create a microclimate if there's loads of them. They can make the area around fractionally warmer through vibrating the abdomen and so on. Another theory is that it's sort of safety in numbers and if a predator decides to eat one ladybird, then the foul taste will put it off its next meal. Whereas if it just picked it off a plant, then it wouldn't really remember by the time it came to the next ladybird because it might, you know, 16 spots really small. They might not, they might not remember that they ate it and it tasted bad. But another explanation is that when the spring comes around and they all start waking up, it makes it a lot easier to find a mate. Although 16 spots do fly, typically they don't fly very far. They tend to spend their entire lives in the same place. So finding a mate nearby is very, very important. And as they don't have Tinder or OkCupid or any other online dating app, their best bet is finding someone who's been hibernating along with them, who is fit, healthy, well-fed, and whatever attractive means to 16 spot. So what do 16 spots eat? The answer is they eat all sorts of things. They once thought to only eat fungi and pollen, but the contents of their stomachs reveal that not to be the case. They eat mites, thrips, and also the odd aphid, although it does seem to be fungi and pollen predominantly. They can often be found eating pollen from dandelions, and their mouth parts have comb-like structure to assist them eating pollen and tiny fungal spores. They live in grasslands and marshy meadows, and also can tolerate a higher level of damp than some other ladybirds. But they can also live in sandy and coastal areas, and they're found in North Africa, where it does get very dry. In Britain, the 16th spot is at the northern edge of its range. In Scotland, it's not really found, and in Ireland, there have only been a couple of reports, but it is found like most of the rest of, of Europe. So this shows the importance of trying to ma manage parks and grassy areas, as well as farms, to keep biodiversity in mind for some extent. So we've lost a lot of our meadows and with that, a lot of the habitat for this very, very unique ladybird. Although currently it's still quite common, we should make sure it stays that way. Unfortunately, in my area, the HS2 project does put a lot of the grassland that the ladybird relies on at risk. This is a project that aims to provide high-speed trains from London to Birmingham. And while promoting public transport has the potential to be good for the environment or better than using cars all the time, it's quite controversial because of the route it will take through areas important to biodiversity. Anyway, I'm not really going to get too political here about HS2, but this is one of the potential issues with it. What might be somewhat confusing is that back in the day, 
Microaspis used to be used interchangeably as a scientific name to Tithaspis, which I actually might be saying completely wrong, and I don't I apologize because I actually don't know how to pronounce it. There's another genus of small ladybirds called Hyperaspis, and I'm soon going to talk about one of them on the show. So thank you for listening. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. There is quite a lot to say about this ladybird. If ladybirds can be said to have a character, this one definitely does. And I hope the next time you pass a fence post or a hedge or something like that, you will look out and maybe see these ladybirds. If you like this episode, please like my Facebook page, Hidden Wings and Bloodlust, or follow me on Instagram at 365.ladybird. I am also at Twitter at HWABpodcast. If you like this show and want to support me, you can also follow me on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Hidden Wings and Bloodlust. Music at the start of the show is by Deborah Torrance, and music at the end is Boardroom Walk by Cascadecax Pistopinacle. So, thank you for listening, and goodbye for now. Never alone, I have to nail it down Radio